Hello and welcome to the Disney My Ability Podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker. And on this week's episode, we're going to get right back into the conversation I had with Sarah Harris. Enjoy. When you have a purpose with something, generally speaking, you're not going to take no for an answer because it's something that is you're driven to pursue it, you want to. And so giving up just isn't necessarily an option when you find that sort of spark. And, you know, as a career and leadership coach, when that spark happens, it's, it is one of the most awesome and amazing things to witness when that something just clicks within somebody. And it's like, that is what I'm supposed to do. Nothing for me, nothing is better than that moment when that happens. Super magic. And it's super magic. Like, you know, as you know, I've seen in in my career of watching other people like have that aha moment Mm -hmm. of like where they fit and what they have to contribute. And, you know, when you start seeing um, less of yourself and more of other people in, you know, in, in service delivery, and maybe like programs being put on or whatever it may be, it's like, that is cool. That is like Mm -hmm. that evolution. Oh my goodness. I I just, I love to watch it. It's magical and to play a role in somebody just thriving and just getting what they want. It's to sit back and, and just watch them go is just, it's amazing. How did you get involved with the California council of the blind? (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's go back to about six months after I lost my sight and I'm sitting at the, what was called the friendship center for the blind. That was what it was before it became Valley center for the blind again, very social, you know, place. And so I'm sitting there and I have one lady going, come to the California council, of the blind meeting at Bob's big boy. And then I have another person telling me to go to the national federation of the blind meeting, um, wherever they were meeting at, at the time, I don't remember. And I decided I didn't want to do either because if they were going to sit there and pull me in two different directions, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not blind. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't exist here yet. Right. Cause again, only six months. Right. Yeah. You're still and adjusting. Yeah. I'm still adjusting. And I'm like going, I don't think I want to do this. And so I, I didn't. And I kind of forgot about it for a little bit. I won't even lie. And then, um, like I said, I started hanging out at the blind center and well, about 2000, you know, 11, 12 ish and got invited to go to, um, a CCB meeting. And at the time there wasn't an NFB chapter in, um, Fresno anymore. So, you know, CCB was the place to go. So I went, um, within one meeting, somehow I was helping to um, put together their first ever dining in the dark fundraiser. Um, and that doesn't then- surprise me at all that you, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right. And then, and then from there, um, I was voted as the vice president the following year. And so it's, it's so funny because like, you know, you, you go to something and, and now I will tell you, I go to things that I like to sit back and be the person watching everybody do stuff. Um, because you, when you are always like behind the scenes and in front of the, the curtain, um, you know, being on stage, it's scary, you know, because you, you you have to balance that time really, really well. I became the president of the chapter in like 2017. And that's the same year that um, I joined the the board of directors, board of directors for the statewide organization. And, and that, that was really a neat experience 
to be welcome at that table. Um, you know, in a lot of groups, not just blindness groups, but a lot of volunteer organizations like what CCB is, you typically see people at the, you know, at the top are ones that have been around for a really, really long time. And obviously I, I hadn't been, um, but I had proved that, you know, I had things to, to offer to the organization and, and I've continued to do that. Um, I am very proud to say that I co-chair the convention planning committee. Um, I, and that's another thing I learned and I'm going to teach you guys, if you chair a committee of any sort, get a co-chair. It's always good to have a co-chair. I, that was this year. I finally have a co-chair. She's awesome. Her name is Andrea. I adore her. And so we put on our very first hybrid convention um, and, and it was good. It didn't fall apart. There were little things, you know, here and there, like there are with anything, but it, it, it went off and it was done and it was amazing. And, and I will tell you, that was one of the, the most like, uh, you know, big sigh, you know, when I was done, like, mm-hmm. okay, we did it. We, um, we didn't totally make a disaster of it because it's a little scary. You know, you're going into a hotel blind into a mm-hmm. hotel, but I'm bummed. Um, using other people's equipment. Uh, you're hoping that the folks on the other end of Zoom are able to hear you and communicate and all of those things. And it, and it worked, you know, and, and that was really cool. Um, I'm also co-chair for Resolutions Committee, which of course is the backbone to most organizations like CCB, where we sit down and we argue over commas and semicolons. But in the end, we come out with some really great um, works that are, are going to move forward into advocacy um, in, oh gosh, so many different realms. Uh, you know, resolutions is where um, ATM, accessible ATMs came out of, you know, a resolutions committee meeting, things like that. But it's it's definitely been a ride, that is for sure. I, I do encourage folks to at least give, you know, membership organizations a chance because there's nothing like having other people who have similar disabilities as you that you can you can uh, commiserate and bitch with because you know sometimes you just want to yell, "Dude, where's my cane?" Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you know, there's something to be said when there's a shared experience. People can have largest amount of empathy available if it's something they haven't experienced. There's still something missing, and there's something to be said for misplacing your cane and not being able to find it (laughs) just being able to just you know when somebody else gets it there's something there and that I think that's important to acknowledge is sometimes we just need somebody to that gets it this toothpaste or is it icy hot yeah and 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 when you make that mistake it the frustration sometimes you just you just want somebody who gets it and I, I totally understand that so the California Council of the Blind is it is it political in nature? So like, tell me a little bit about it for people that maybe aren't as familiar as to like, what is their mission? Like, what's their purpose? What is the reason they exist? So the purpose and the mission of the California Council of the Blind is to in, increase the independence and equality for blind Californians, uh, blind and low vision Californians. It has been around since 1934, founded right here in Fresno. It's actually the oldest from my understanding. So all all you history buffs out there, don't, you know, don't come at me if I'm wrong. The oldest um, membership organization for people who are blind out there. It started off 
here um, as a group of folks that either were blind or had interest in um, social services for people who are blind came together, um, oddly enough, here in Fresno, um, to start a movement. And it really was about, at first it was about getting rights. And so white cane laws came from that, different laws for social security, um, all of those things. It's not quote unquote political in nature, but we do get a lot into politics, right? We don't lobby, but we definitely advocate. We are nonpartisan. I think that's one of the most interesting things is to listen to some of the debates that happen um, within our, our meetings and things when it gets down to, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And, and, and then I, what I love is the fact that you could totally sit there and have an argument with your friend and then you can walk out and shake hands and, you know, go hang out and have dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, really the nice part. But the, the number one, you know, thing our motto is empowerment through advocacy, because once people um, learn that they have a voice, no matter who you are, where you're from, once you learn your, your voice and you learn how to use it and where to use it to, you know, have effective change, that that's, again, you know, another one of those magical moments. Um, I was so, so happy um, to be a part of um, alongside uh, my friend Jeff Tom. Him and I worked with uh, Assembly Member Dr. Rambula here in California last year for AB 2480, which brings back services for people with vision loss who don't have an employment goal. And, you know, and I don't know exactly what it looks like in all states, but here in California, you know, they took away the um, quote unquote homemaker track, very poorly named, by the way, mm-hmm. um, when WIOA came into play. And so there was all these people, you know, roaming around lost because, you know, the, the last thing you're probably thinking about when you lose your sight is, oh, where am I going to work at? Yep. You know, you're thinking, how am I going to cook? you know, my food in this microwave with this flat screen, or, you know, how am I going to get to the doctor? What am I going to do when my kid goes to school? You know, those kind of things. And are you just going to live? Yeah. How are you to live? And, and, you know, how are you going to tell which thing is which in the cabinet? You know, all all of those things, it's huge. And so um, those services have been brought back. There's not a ton of money in them and in, in the services get, but I do know like October one, there's going to be a little bit more money. So it's, it's you know, we, we got to show that there's a need. So if there's anybody in California who has a vision loss and doesn't have a vocational goal, please call me <laughs> and I will, I will point you in the right direction of where you can get services because it is important. And, you know, there's a lot of things you can teach yourself, but there's something to be said of, you know, learning from another person who is blind. And typically when you go to an agency, you will work with somebody else who's blind and, and that's really, you know, um, something that's uncomparable for sure. This is the Dissing My Ability podcast, and we'll be right back. It's hard to picture yourself doing something if you haven't experienced, you know, somebody in a similar situation actually doing it and thriving, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, um, that's why representation matters. That's why it's so important that regardless as to the disability that people are represented out there that are thriving and being successful because they're out, we're out there, 
but we're just kind of hidden in, in a lot of spaces. But um, <laughs> so that's, did, that's for the, the next episode, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big thing to un unpack there. You mentioned WIOA, and for people that are not familiar with what that is, that is the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act um, from the U.S. Department of Labor. Essentially, if, for people that have disabilities, oftentimes, in order for them to receive any type of services, they must have some sort of vocational goal in order to go through a vocational rehab program through their state. Which is, would you agree with that statement, Sarah? Yeah, that's pretty okay, typical. Okay. Yeah. And oftentimes, if you don't have the goal of being employment, there's very few services that are available to you, depending upon the state that you're in. I know here in Arizona, there's some stuff you can get, but it's pretty, it's pretty minimal. Really, they want you to go through the VR, vocational rehab program, pick a employment goal, and then you know, hopefully that works out. Would you say California is similar? California is super, super similar. And, you know, and it's not an easy job. I mean, let's really think no. about like oh, the, gosh, job, no. the job of like a DOR or a VR counselor. Like it, it's so hard because like you have people that go, well, they told me that you would get me a job. Right. And it's like, well, no, there's more to it. And that's why bringing back services for people who don't yet have that goal. Yeah. I believe is key because I will tell you that my time that I spent on the quote unquote homemaker track, learning different skills, not everything I probably should have could have learned. Um, but the things that I did learn and, and got me to, you know, have the capability to be able to volunteer and to, you know, figure out how to do case notes yeah. and things like that. And, you know, I, all these different things, like that is what, you know, really gave me, you know, the fire to be mm -hmm. able to get out and work. And then also yeah. seeing other successful blind people, you know, that yeah. that's huge. And I know you mentioned that earlier, but it's like, because when you do live in this like little tiny box and you're like, Oh, woe is me. And you know, it sucks. You know, this yeah. is terrible. And then, and then you get out in the world and you meet people who have really, really cool jobs. Like, you know, there's one guy who like, he literally, you know, does like uh, things to do with like wine and scents and, you know, he's a scientist of some sort. And, you know, there's like all these different cool people that, unless you're out there, you, you don't hear about. And then you go, Oh, when you do hear it, like I could do that too. Or I could do something like that. Or if like, he has a job doing that. Why can't I do such and such? Yep. And so it, it really sparks that, you know, creative um, juice flowing, you know, as they say. I think it's so true. Confidence is one of the main things that I think is kind of broken when you encounter disability as an adult, because everything changes. And, oh yeah, and so I was very successful prior to disability, and I consider you know myself I'm successful just doing something different now. But I was broken after I encountered it. I think something that is, and that maybe not enough attention is given to, is you have to build that person back up, regardless as to what the disability is. You got to build them back up to where they believe in themselves again, where they have confidence in themselves again, so that they can actually go back to work and be gainfully employed in something where there's actually an opportunity to thrive and not just have some job. 
Right, right. And reimagine yourself. Yeah. Where you see the potential in yourself again versus, well, I got to go get a job because that's the only way that I could have any sort of help. And I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to go about it. I get, you know, resources and all that kind of stuff is a, is an important thing, but ultimately when you're able to thrive in whatever it is you're doing, you're going to be earning more money. You're going to be, if ultimately we want to see people thrive, you got to give them the ability to believe in that they can first. <laughs> exactly. And and it's all like little things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time that I, I got an iPhone, the first text message I sent, I'm like, Ooh, you mean I don't have to pick up the phone and talk to somebody for an hour just to ask them <laughs> one question? Wow, this is cool. And, you know, email YouTube. Oh, YouTube can teach you how to do anything. I'm telling you, there's been times where somebody's like, Hey, can you do such and such? I'm like, sure. And then I go to YouTube and I learn how to do it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. But you got to um, figure out how to do all that stuff, you know, that you that do. Takes, and that takes time. And just to throw somebody out there and be like, all right, what, what do you want to do for work? Um, I don't even know how to get somewhere safely. You know, like that's like, that's so <laughs> right? far off then. <laughs> And the, you know, I've worked, you know, in the VR system as a, at the, when I was at the foundation for blind children as their, you know, career specialist and being a VR counselor is a hard job. No doubt about that. It's underpaid. It's underappreciated. They want to help people, but they're mandated to have, you know, the, the clients are mandated to have some sort of vocational goal. I don't know how that serves anybody if they're not ready for it, you know, like. If, you know, like, all right, well, what do you want to be? I don't know. I just want to know how to clean, you know, like (laughs) that's literally like a conversation that they have. It's like, I just want to know how to cross the street. I can't think about work, forcing people to have that vocational goal. If they're not ready, I think is can really put people into a bad place. And I've had conversations with people about exactly that process where, they don't ever go back to work because they're just so traumatized from the entire process. Oh and yeah. That's and, not yeah. good. And then even the, the whole piece too about benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if yeah. I go to work, then I'm going to lose everything and this and that. And, and, and there's so many people that have been, I, I would say almost like put in a place where they're brainwashed to believe that that's, that's their life. That's all that they can do. And, you know, sit on the couch and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, listen to your talking book. And, you know, and that's, if that's what somebody wants to do, that's cool. But if you want more then do more and, and, and your more is up to you. I I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, I, I, I've learned is that, you know, whatever your more is, is it's, perfectly fine yeah you don't have to yeah yeah you don't have to climb a mountain you don't have to become a psychiatrist or a marriage and family therapist (laughs) that's the number one you don't have to work at a call center you don't have to do things that you don't want to do because you know true success across the board is is going to be in in you doing something that you love because you're going to be happy you're going to do a better job at it and, and it's going to bleed out all over the place in, in good fortune and in good ways for not just you, but for others. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. This is Dissing My Ability podcast, and we'll be right back.
with that being said, what would you say over your 20 year journey is, I don't want to say what you look back and you're like, oh, that's, that's what I'm most proud of. Cause there's a lot there, but when you kind of some, you know, look back over, where do you see yourself going from where you are now? It sounds like you're just getting started. Oh yeah. Forties are great. Oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm 42. I'll be 43 in August. And, and I, I just had this conversation with a new friend, um, a couple weeks ago about how, like, I, you know, my thirties were cool, but my forties are, are really, really great. Cause there's a lot of opportunity out there and, and it's all about just going for it. Right. And, um, you know, we have a youth group, it's called be about it. Cause you don't just talk about it. You got to be about it. And so, you know, I, I have to roll that way too. You know, I've, I've gotten really, really involved locally um, in advocacy over the years. Um, you know, it started off uh, with mainly things that were disability related, and then that's, you know, stared off into other realms as well. And, and throughout this time, I'm always like, you know, I should, I should go and run for office. I should become, um, you know, a city council member. And and just those things that you just kind of say, right? Like, oh, maybe I should try that. Or maybe I should do that. And, and then, you know, there's things that lead you to where you're supposed to be. And, and so through, you know, my opportunity to be, you know, behind the curtain, as they say, in a lot of local things, um, I've learned a lot of processes. I've learned, you know, how things, um, things come to fruition. Um, you know, it's not just as simple as you're like, I want a stop sign. No, there's a lot of stuff that goes into getting that stop sign there. Um, and, and, and really having a lot of respect for the people that do that work. I, I have, decided to go ahead and do it. I, I'm going to run um, for city council um, here in Fresno. Um, my council member is actually up. Um, he has thrown his hat in for the board of supervisors here. So that's kind of interesting because that puts me at a possibility that I may be running a year earlier than what I had planned. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. <laughs> Um, and, and so it's, it's funny. I back in, oh my goodness, was it March, February or March? I I applied for this thing called the San Joaquin political Academy at our local chamber of commerce. And I was like, "Hmm, that seems really cool. Like it kept coming to my email and I'm like, "Hmm, maybe I should just apply. And I have to say, it's been one of the coolest experiences that I have ever had. And I, I sat in a room with people who are field representatives for, um, people like Kevin McCarthy, um, one of his field representatives was in my class, uh, a local city councilwoman, one of her field people were there, um, board of supervisors, uh, somebody who's running currently a current candidate for city council, land use people, realtors, people who are looking to run in the future, and, and just having real nonpartisan conversation about stuff that affects all of us. Mm-hmm. And and really looking at it through a lens of how can we make things better instead of how can we continue to just stir things up? Because that's what I see right now is I just see a group of people who really, you know, want to be mean to each other and mean yeah. to others. And, you know, I, I really want to bring back common sense and kindness because that goes a long way. It really, really does. Um, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly so- agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's my direction now. And it's, and it's so funny because like, I, 
I thought that, you know, what I wanted to do is be an executive director. Like, and I applied for a job. I came in second, which was really, really cool because I got to go through that whole process too. It, maybe this, this is why, maybe this is my direction that I'm supposed to go into. Um, and, and again, it, I think it comes from having, you know, a lot of insight on a lot of different things. Um, I forgot to mention that, you know, I have a master's degree in common sense and life experience, um, <laughs> uh, you know, which, which I think says a lot. I do. I think it says a lot. I, I used to be like, one of those people like, you know, don't ask me about my degree. Don't ask me about my degree. But, you know, I, I'm very proud to say that I don't have the degree and that's okay. And because, you know, what, what I've been able to do without a piece of paper has been pretty cool. And, you know, what I don't know, I, I learn and I go ask mm-hmm. people. Yeah. I never pretend to know something, that's for sure. Well, then that's, I think that's something that is underappreciated. I, similarly, I won't speak to something unless I am informed on the subject. Otherwise, I say nothing because mm-hmm. I don't want I don't want to look like I am just trying to wing it out there or give bad information. And, you know, a degree, while admirable, isn't necessarily the sign of competence or a broad understanding of a subject or a lack of a degree doesn't mean that somebody's not educated or smart. And so I think that that's important to, to say as well. Yes, this blonde is smart-ish. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would say you're more than uh, ish. That's for sure. Why? Thank you. That, Why? Thank that you. Is, that is for sure. So, um, as we wrap up, is there perhaps a piece of advice or a little bit of nugget of information or just some bit of wisdom that you would like to impart on people that are listening? Oh, step out of your comfort zone often, even if it's just a little like, you know, putting just one foot out, you know, like you're doing the hokey pokey, just do things little by little that are, are different from the norm, because, you know, those are the things that will inspire you in ways that you never even thought you needed to be inspired. And and that's what leads us to be um, bigger and better and greater than, um, than yesterday. And, you know, just always continue to grow. I, I think that that's really important and don't let things that suck, you know, totally rule your whole life because things are going to suck and you just have to move on from them. There yeah. you go. That's, <laughs> but that's so true. You know, um, you know, stuff is going to happen and it's not the stuff that happens that defines anybody. It's how they move through it and get to the other side of the crap. That's what exactly. I believe to find somebody is how did they, how did they, you know, work through that challenge? I think that's critically important. So thank you for that. Where can people find you if they would like to uh, connect with you or learn maybe more about the work you do with the agency or the California council uh, for the blind? So the easiest way to find me, and I'm just going to say, because it, it literally, you won't forget it, is uh, you can email me at crazyblindlady at gmail.com. And yes, it's spelled just the way it sounds. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I'm a child of the you know, 80s and 90s. So take crazy lightheartedly, please. Yeah. Um, it's, it's- <laughs> 
And, you know, it comes from, I, I had my year anniversary of being blind and I told my husband, let's call it crazy blind lady day. And so I've been the crazy blind lady ever since. And I even have my own little consulting business, crazy blind lady consulting. So, hey, um, it's, it's a term of affection, not of, it is not, a, not of anything else. So that's definitely, and I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, not as much on Facebook anymore, but definitely on LinkedIn. That makes two of us when it comes to Facebook. Um, so yeah. <laughs> thank you again, Sarah, for coming on and being my guest and just being so open and you're a wealth of knowledge and of positivity and of uh, hope and inspiration for people that maybe are struggling to, to see themselves, you know, with a big bright future when they encounter some sort of big challenge or, you know, some, something that disrupts their life. It, you are a shining example of what is possible. So thank you very much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. You're such a shiny star yourself. Thank you. You're very, very kind. So thank you for that. And I remember like to... that he said I was kind <laughs> <laughs> to me. You always have been. So that's what I got. That's all I can go by. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to the Disney My Ability podcast. I'm your host, Ken Meeker, and I hope you will tune in each and every week as I engage with my guests about trying to dismantle the stigma and shame associated with living with disability. Please remember to be kind to others and to yourself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>